Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. And today is our first episode over on the Deepish Thoughts podcast network. So be sure to head over to deepishthoughts.com, D-E-E-P-I-S-H thoughts.com, and check out the new digs. A bunch of great articles and podcasts covering the entire wide world of sports over there. But anyways, I am Charlie Erling, and as always, I have Mitch Krumpetich and David McGraw with me today. How's it going? It's going pretty great. Um, I'm, I went second in that, but I'm going to talk first, because it's me. Hi, guys. <laughs> How you doing? I'm so. alive. Uh, watching Gonzaga play today gave me a little bit of a scare in the end, but uh, I'm here. I'm feeling good now, but uh, my blood pressure is just a little bit higher than normal. I'm glad they picked up that W, or this might not have been a great episode. <laughs> a lot of negativity coming out of Mitch had Gonzaga lost, I'm oh, sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, but hey, make sure to get a hold of us on social media. Hit us up on Twitter, at SunnyInPHXPod. Our email is SunnyInPHXPod at gmail.com. And of course, check out the website at sunnyinphxpod.com as well as on the deepishthoughts.com site. All right, so last Wednesday, the Suns took on the Sacramento Kings at home, and we were all surprised to see that Tyler Eulis was penciled into that Suns starting lineup. Eulis went on to put up some solid numbers in his first NBA start with 13 points, 13 assists, and just one turnover. But that isn't what we're here to talk about right now. After not hearing much on the Eric Bledsoe front before or during that game, we found out that Bledsoe had been shut down for the season. So with the way this season has been going, with hardly a chance to make the playoffs, I am completely behind this decision to put Bledsoe on the bench for the rest of the season. So let's talk about what we saw out of Bledsoe in the 66 games that he did play this season. And the first thing I want to point out, Bledsoe had a very healthy season. He only missed one game the entire year before now, and that was due to rest, that there was no injury involved with that. But then again, this does go right in line with Bledsoe's career, healthy one year and then injured the next. So we'll all have to take that one as we will. So, Mitch, what are some things, what are some positive things that you saw out of Bledsoe this year? Well, health is the first one I was going to mention as well. It's always good to see Bledsoe have a healthy season. I also think he improved passing-wise. His assist numbers were up a little bit. Uh, Scoring, he he did a great job, as usual, with scoring. I I do think it's the right decision to sit him for the rest of the season as well. I just want to put that out there. But um, I also think Bledsoe was a really good leader on the team. That's kind of been a question that a lot of people have had, and especially once Booker came in and put himself on the map, people were wondering who would be the face of the franchise and all of that. I still think it's Booker, but I think Bledsoe really showed some great leadership this season. I think all across the board, Bledsoe had just a really good season in general. Uh, Percentage-wise, he kept it just about the same percentage all as his entire career at a uh, field goal percentage 43.3%, uh, three-point percentage 33.7, and free throw percentage 84.7. Just 
a, a solid um, percentage line. Um, not like top of the NBA, but not at the lower at the low end of the NBA either. He looked really great this year, and I think we were very scared after last year's injury how long it would take him to come back in. And for the 66 games that he played this season, he played really strong and played not maybe as explosive as we've seen him in the past, but just an all-around game in general. And you you gotta you gotta really enjoy that. I think. Um, I also think you kind of have to look at um, just us shutting him down as almost a way of because of the injury history of seeming like he's healthy one year not the other i think shutting him down is also to try and keep him fresh um either way no matter what and not risk any sort of dumb injury at the end of the season right that's a good point and we were talking about the stats a little bit and bledsoe averaged career highs this year in points with 21.1 assists with 6.3 And then 84.7% from the free throw line was a career high, as well as his 6.9 free throw attempts per game. And that's something we saw really come on shortly after the All-Star break or around the All-Star break. Bledsoe was getting to the line almost like James Harden numbers. Not quite like that, but the style that he would play when he would get into that lane, he, he did an excellent job of drawing those fouls. And shooting that 85% clip really made it worth it. And we talk about how it's nice that we're shutting him down due to his injury history and trying to keep him fresh for a little longer. And that doesn't quite go in line with his style of play, though. And by getting to the line all these times, he's throwing his body in there. He's taking a lot of spills. Good thing he's built to do that. He's a solid guy, but... I think that's one thing that might have to change a little bit as his career progresses. I don't know if he'll be able to take all those lumps that he does now and pop back up. Yeah, I think that actually something you mentioned that a style play and everything. I think something that he is really a good progression that we've been able to see this year is this go around the screen and feel someone grab at his arm a little bit to well going around the screen the screen and kind of just throwing up a shot and getting a foul call he's done really well with that he's got some and ones he's got some fouls that probably shouldn't be foul calls to like an average nba uh fan if you're watching it and even in general but he he drawing the contact not only in the paint he's been much better at this year right and i think he picked up a little key from Dragic back when he was here as soon as you feel any sort of contact while you're going up for that shot, you give out a yelp loud enough for the whole arena to hear, and then maybe that, that'll help the ref blow the whistle a little quicker. But that's something I've noticed, and uh, maybe it gets a little old, and you kind of, after he doesn't get the foul call, despite the yell, you're like, okay, maybe maybe that wasn't necessary blood, but... But that's I mean, just something I've noticed. It, it totally works too because if I'm just like, "Hey," like I just got your attention, didn't I? Like it works. And <laughs> if you're a ref watching for contact, and then you add that, like that's how it works. A lot of players do it, and so Bloodso doing that more often 
this season, it it does help get you to the line. Totally. And then going off that, one thing I've noticed from Vlad this season is his ability to just pull up for the jumper rather than drive in some of those times. It seems like he's doing a little bit more of that lately, and it seems like his shot, he has a lot more confidence in it too. So it's nice to see his range step back a little bit compared to the trying to get buckets right under the rim and being able to settle for that 15 to 17 footer and he hit it at a pretty good clip this year so i was happy to see that that elbow jumper is great yes last year he had it too and it was something that we had mentioned how we really enjoyed that he had that in his arsenal right now i think we can all agree that we saw some big steps in the right direction from bledsoe this year But now we need to talk about some things we'd like to see him improve on heading into next season. And I'm going to start off here with the pretty obvious one, and that's the turnovers. Bledsoe averaged 3.4 turnovers per game this season, making him the seventh worst in that department. And the six guys that commit more turnovers per game than Bledsoe arguably have the ball in their hands much more than Bledsoe but I'd I'd maybe take Embiid out of that list. So the other five guys would be Harden, Westbrook, LeBron, John Wall, and Cousins. So when it comes to turnovers and the point guard on my team, I'd like to see a little less than 3.4 per game unless you're going to put up a triple-double every night like Russell Westbrook. So, David, what, what were some of the negatives that you thought Bledsoe had this year? I think the big one is that his defensive game really took a step back this year. Um, he's not known as this, I I want to say like defensive specialist, but just this lockdown defender that he was has known for in the past. He just wasn't that player this year. Um, a, a lot of things can go into that. The heavy offensive load, trying to preserve his body a little bit. But that's definitely something that took a step back. And I, it it didn't help that, we aren't a very great defensive team to begin with. And it's, it's definitely tough because when it comes to our paint protection, Tyson's getting older. We have Chris. So Chris has that athleticism, but at the beginning of the year, he was not really getting there as much. And so you, you really want to have that defensive presence at the point guard position. Unless you're like Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that seems like a recurring thing. You got to be like Westbrook if you can uh, have these negatives. But yeah, you got to average a triple double <laughs> if you don't want to play defense. Yeah. But then again, Bledsoe in the Western Conference always put against a tough matchup at the point. And then I've noticed that sometimes, even if uh, the shooting guard might be a little better. Sometimes we stick Booker on the lesser of the guards and make Bledsoe guard the two who might have a five inch advantage on him. So that that's something you got to account for. But yeah, I would agree that Bledsoe's defense has dropped a bit this year. I mean, like, yeah, we do put him on the two sometimes, but I think that changed a lot this year. I think that this year we saw a lot more of, when we had Tucker putting Tucker on the two and Bledsoe on the three or even the four sometimes and, or Warren on the two to make up for that. Yeah. This is all exactly in line with what I'm thinking too. Uh, the, the other thing I have, which isn't exactly a weakness right now, but it will be in the future 
is that Bledsoe needs to adapt his game a little bit to his aging body. Like we saw this season, he was not able to get to the rim nearly as much. He didn't have those putback slams that we know he was capable of a couple years back. So I'm interested in seeing what he's going to do in order to do that. Um, And I mean, his three point percentage will need to improve uh, in order to keep people a little more honest when they're guarding him, knowing that he's not going to be able to get to the rim like he likes to. So that's something that could be a weakness in the future, but I just want to see how he adapts next season. So there's one more thing, and I don't want to call it a weakness right now. And the three of us have, I don't think the three of us have ever talked about this amongst ourselves. So this has been going around a little bit on Reddit and some Facebook groups, but some people think that Eric Bledsoe shuts out Devin Booker sometimes. Did you guys ever notice that throughout the season, or does that hold anything to you guys? Do you think it's real? Do I think there's a beef? No. Do I think that, like, he's doing it on purpose, necessarily, if he is shutting out Booker? No. I think that we had a tough time with offensive sets this year, and we did in years past um, as well, where it kind of just evolves into just a ton of isolation plays basically just isolation and pick and rolls and because of that sometimes you kind of ask your other players to just take that possession off and be ready for a pass but I I don't think it's something on purpose I think it's just how Bledsoe plays in general I don't think he's like trying to freeze Booker out I think it's just Bledsoe plays downhill that's just what he is he it's just his style of play. It's very similar to like a D Wade or a Westbrook or any of those where you kind of are just playing downhill and just going from there. That's why I think a lot of people feel like he should be a two, even though he's only like six foot, but it's, it's just his style of play. I don't think he's doing it where he's like maliciously trying to ice Booker out. Completely agreed. I it, It's absolutely his style of play and that's it. Okay, I'm glad we're all on the same page here. I just, I thought maybe we'd get some spicy stuff for the podcast if one of you two thought differently, but, <laughs> you know, got to gotta give it a shot. Let's mo- keep moving it on with Bledsoe a little bit here, and we all know the direction the Suns have been moving in lately. Young players with big potential. So this brings up the question, could this have been the last we've seen of Eric Bledsoe in a Suns uni? Mitch, why don't you take this one on first? I can't give a concrete answer until I know what spot we're picking in the draft. If we get the first or second pick, I think Bledsoe's out. But if we get three or later, then I think he stays. Unless somehow Fultz or Ball slip to uh, out of the top two picks. So if we get Fultz or Ball, Bledsoe's gone. If not, he stays. Yeah, I I don't see those guys going past top two. They're just too good. If we are a top two pick, I think we heavily consider moving Bledsoe, while at the same time consider just playing two guards off the bench. Two, like, point guards off the bench. Not like two. I know we play two guards off the bench. That was kind of dumb, but whatever. I think that it is possible that we draft a point guard in this draft no matter what I 
am not necessarily sold on the fact that we're going to trade Bledsoe and this is the end of his son's career. He is only 27. While we probably won't get a better haul than if we traded him now, I think that he is a part of this core. And if he can really work on letting his game play a little less recklessly we would we want to keep him on and keep him as a mentor of showing hard work and all these other things because Bledsoe is a hard worker yeah so maybe on the other side of this I'm looking at it like there are probably more than 15 teams in the NBA right around 15 and this is Obviously, before the draft, before free agency, we don't know where anybody's going to land quite yet, but it seems like about half the league could be interested in a guy like Eric Bledsoe. And you you look at that contract, two years left on the deal, 14.5 next year, and then 15 after that, and then he becomes a unrestricted free agent. So that's a really manageable contract. Say, I could see something happening on draft night, we get a high lottery pick offer for Eric Bledsoe, maybe a throw-in from the other team or something like that. I, I could see that happening, and especially a team like the Timberwolves with Ricky Rubio. I don't know. That just came to me. I could see a Bledsoe-Rubio swap of some sort bring in a little more on our end. Bledsoe works. That, that uh, Timberwolf offense would just be insane. And then we get Rubio to come pass the ball to Devin Booker. I mean, I'd love it. Rubio throwing oops to Chris, too. I, I just really like that idea. Maybe it's not, that's not the one. And I do like Eric Bledsoe a lot. Don't get me wrong. But I could see a draft night trade happening, sending Bledsoe somewhere. There's a lot of teams that would take him. So that's my idea. I would almost guarantee it's not the Timberwolves. Yeah, it, if we that's trade probably him. fair. I it just came to because, me because I mean, I like, like the Timberwolves, Rubio, Rubio is younger than Bledsoe. He's like twenty five, I think. So, I, I mean, like, <laughs> I I just I, I I think that the Timberwolves like Rubio. Plus, they have Chris Dunn, which Chris Dunn hasn't had the best rookie season, but I think they aren't going to give up on him. Um, that I mean, like maybe the jazz think that George Hill is going to walk. And so they make a move for blood. So, or I mean, not the Kings cause they're rebuilding, not so many other things. Maybe, I mean, like I know the Knicks always talked about, there was always talk about the Knicks going after blood. So, but I, I don't know as much about that. There are teams that would be interested in him. I just, I I don't know. I I don't I don't. I'm not sold on us moving him right now. Is what I'm gonna say. Right. Fair point. Let's not get it too ahead of ourselves. Sending Bloodsoe to the Timberwolves. Man, that was a dumb idea, Chuck. Just drop that. <laughs> okay. All right. So I think that'll cover it for Bloodsoe. Let's move it along. And on that same Wednesday night that Bloodsoe was shut down, the Suns obviously needed to fill some minutes. And Tyler Eulis deservedly got the start and the starter minutes, but we there's we needed a little more in that backcourt. So the Suns went to Brandon Knight. 
and they asked him if he was ready to play. So Brandon Knight says he's having some back spasms, you know, and he, he wasn't able to play that night. And a couple days after that, we learned that Knight, like Bledsoe, would be shut down for the remainder of the season. Shut him down, shut him, shut him down, I shut him down, shut him down. And I don't know, maybe I'm a little salty, but I think this move by Knight was a little payback for benching him after the All-Star break. He wouldn't give us what we needed when we needed him. So, David... Please tell me that I'm taking this the wrong way and I'm just making more crazy things up in my head. I mean, to be honest, up until they made an announcement saying that Brandon Knight was shut down for the rest of the season, I thought he had already been shut down for the rest of the season, so... Shut him down! Shut him, shut him down! I shut him down! Shut him down! <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it was a salt thing. I just like to imagine the conversation going, Oh, oh, hey, Brandon, Brandon, hey, so, uh, you know... We're sitting blood, so he's done for the season. We want you to come in. And Knight just kind of sitting there with that blank stare that kind of has where his eyes look a little too wide open. And just going like, nah, I got back spasms. <laughs> and I'll be like, all right. Thanks a bunch, Knight. Like, and that's it. And that's, that's how the conversation went down. It's like, oh, I like to imagine. I, I, I don't blame him if he doesn't want to play. I mean, it, it is just what it is, but. Dude sucked this year. I'm kind of glad that we don't have to watch him play the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what would you do if you were him? You get sat. You had a terrible season. You got a 5'8 rookie starting instead of you who's playing, like, a lot better than you. Like, it's obvious that you're not going to be on this team next year. You've been designated to hold the Tupperware full of gum on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> like, what would you have done? <laughs> Let's be real. If I was in that situation, I would be counting the millions of dollars I make and thinking, nah, I'm good. Yep, pretty you much. Know, <laughs> let's look at it this way. Say uh, we met Brandon Knight and we had a really nice time and we said, you know what? Let's let's uh, switch numbers. We'll give you a call. And then two weeks later at 1 a.m., we text Brandon Knight and say, hey, you up? <laughs> I wouldn't even say And then say, Brandon hey. Knight said, no, I'm, I'm sleeping. I got back spasms. So I got that, back that spasms. describes it perfectly. You send yeah. the you up text, and then the yeah. response is, no, I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's what happened then. Shut him down. Shut him, shut him down. I shut him down. Shut him down. That's perfect. All right. I'm glad we got that figured out now. So perfect time to move along. What do we think is next for Brandon Knight? I think after this season... It's tough to picture Knight with a role that he is willing to play on the Suns roster. So, Mitch, look into that Magic 8-ball. Tell me what's next for the career of Brandon Knight. Well, before we started recording, I said D-League. I don't think I want to go <laughs> that far. But he won't be on the Suns, I can guarantee that. Whether we can find a trade partner in the offseason or not, if we don't, he'll just be cut and we'll just have to pay him. Fine. Uh, I really don't know. I think it just depends on what teams forgot about how awful his season was this year. I think we're getting out those scissors, boys. For the because he's for getting the cut. Because he's getting cut. 
Yeah. yeah, and I mean, we're talking about an organization that is still paying Michael Beasley. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> is it that out of the question to cut Knight and be paying him for the next few years? A pretty outrageous sum of money, but I mean... Eh, I mean, like, it, it could be worse. Like, who has enough cap room and is in the situation to take on a Brandon Knight right now? Not anyone that would need Knight's lack of skills. <laughs> yeah, so, man, it, it really seems like we're just stuck with him. But but hopefully he has some sort of epiphany of this, this offseason and says, I'm going to turn into the combination of Lou Williams and Manu Ginobili that I need to be and be the sixth man of the year. Like, I think me and Mitch predicted before the season. I, I'm sad to say yeah, I think we predicted yeah, that. I, I know I did. <laughs> hey, we had high hopes, man. We had high hopes. It's okay. I'm just picturing it now. Brandon Knight has the epiphany that he needs to be Lou Williams and then pigs fly. <laughs> so let's let's quit talking about Brandon and let's get into some March Madness talk because tis the season. And I know I haven't watched as much of the tournament as Mitch and David have. So let's start it off with Mitch. It's your time to shine. And we're probably going to start with Gonzaga, huh? Of course we are. So I've been watching basketball for like three days straight now. I love March Madness and Gonzaga. We look good, except for a little spurt against Northwestern where we didn't score and we had a lot of stupid fouls and turnovers and got a lot of lucky breaks from bad calls. But whatever. We're in the Sweet 16 for the third straight year. So uh, watch out for the Zags. I still think that this is going to be a special year. Um, the guy I mentioned the last time we recorded to watch on Gonzaga, the only NBA uh, prospect, was Zach Collins, the backup uh, center. He's been playing really, really well in the tournament. Still not ready for the NBA, so all of those people who are like really up to date on their prospects, he's a really, really good one for next year. So uh, keep watching the Zags. Uh, it, it's a special year for sure. Yeah, I've watched Collins a little bit. He looks really polished for a freshman. And I think once he puts a little more weight on that frame, he'll be a nice NBA prospect. But if you think next year, I'd say that'd probably be a good bet. Yeah, he's got great footwork and great hands, too. Really similar to Sabonis's traje- trajectory. Um, you know, came off the bench freshman year. People questioned would he go to the draft or not. Uh, Collins probably isn't as good as Sabonis, but uh, similar. And then uh, Collins will start next year for sure and probably put up great numbers. And then if he got taken late lottery, that'd be pretty cool. All right. So what are some other teams you guys have been watching this year? How about you, David? Um, I think the big one that I watched, I watched the Oregon game uh, against, who was it? Iona. Iona. Um, when I didn't have glasses on, I thought it said Iowa at first and was really confused. And then I had glasses on. And I was like, no, Iona. All right. That makes way, way more sense. Um, so, of course, Dylan Brooks. Uh, we talked about him last week, I believe, where I didn't remember any of the people's names at first. But now after watching a game or two, um, Dude looks great. Uh, I can see why 
people are pegging him for early second round. I could also easily see him becoming a late first guy because I think that uh, he, he's got some NBA role player potential. Uh, I think the big standout from that game, though, was um, Jay Bell, uh, Jordan Bell. I kept on wanting to call him Joey Bell, which is not the right name. My bad. But uh, he had a pretty standout performance, had 17 points, 12 rebounds, just pr- pretty great and just looked really solid against Iona. Um, of course, the whole rest of the Oregon team kind of looked solid as well, so it's not saying much. But I, I felt like besides Brooks and uh, I think Tyler Dorsey is the other dude's name, the other guard's name that played really well, I think that Jordan Bell was really the standout from that game. And fun fact, I think it's Sam Cassell's son, I think it's Sam Cassell Jr., plays for Iona. And I've made fun of Sam Cassell on this podcast in the past for not being the most handsome guy. So I'm I'm happy to report that his son may not be the, the baller that Father Sam was, but much more handsome of a guy. So he's got that going for him in the least. How about Florida State? Mitch, I know you've been watching them. You say they look pretty interesting what do you think about them yeah so i watched these guys purely because i picked florida gulf florida gulf coast to beat them and then to win their next game too and i was super wrong um florida state is like way more athletic than i thought uh florida gulf coast has the nickname of dunk city and uh, I think this was the figure that florida state had eight dunks in the game and florida gulf coast had two so uh, we saw who the real athletes were in that game. And Jonathan Isaac is a very talented player. Uh, I think he's a top 10 pick, super athletic. That Florida State team is a lot of fun to watch, so I would recommend checking them out. Right on. So let's move things into the prospect side a little bit. And if we look at a bunch of mock drafts the majority of them have the Suns either taking Lonzo Ball or Josh Josh Jackson and it's normally we're slotted in at that three pick so not as much ball as Jackson but I know some some ball so we've seen we saw UCLA take on Kent State the other night David did you catch most of that one how did ball look yeah um I I got quite a bit of that game I think most of it there, there have been some people that are starting to try and say now that Lonzo isn't NBA ready and all these other things. And while he is a little bit of a project and guys are going to want to work on fixing that shot, uh, dude's got athleticism and dude looks really good. Um, he had quite a few times where he was just using his body and going into the paint and uh, having one of his other teammates just pass him, pass two of them and him just catching it and either put just laying it in or coming back down and then laying it in um that's that's six six size and being able to play and assist as as he does is just something that we don't have as much in the nba um of course we have guys now who are being these point forwards but it's just always something you want are these big guys that can play multiple positions and pass the ball and that's what Lonzo is. Um, one other thing I saw is people are starting to wonder now, I guess. I don't know how many people, but 
there was some talk about if he should really be a wing instead of a point guard, which I kind of thought was interesting and kind of goes in line with that playing multiple positions point. But uh, Lonzo, Lonzo looked great and uh, looks like he's just going to keep on rolling with UCLA. Right on. And we saw they played Kent State. Ball put up 15 points, four boards, three assists, and 34 minutes. So not a huge performance out of him for that first round, but they have Cincinnati on Sunday. This podcast comes out Monday, so you'll know how that went. And then uh, Josh Jackson, I don't think anyone's got the chance to watch him so far far this tournament, but he had 17 points, seven boards, and two assists against UC Davis. And dude looks a little like Dr. J has some of the moves too i mean i'm excited to watch his next game but he looks like a guy i'd really like to have on the sun's team for sure yeah it's unfortunate because he had that great lay-in uh that was very dr j-esque um but it seems like all that keeps on happening for him so far this tournament has been just um bad press coming out about him and i feel like that's gotten way more talk than his actual game has yeah, for sure he he has game he's a great player but he needs to get his life together and quit threatening women like seriously just get it together man you're don't ruin your career before it starts yeah we we've all said some dumb stuff as kids and we got to remember these guys are just kids still so keep that in mind but you know we we expect more of that especially if the sons are going to take a guy like that but uh, another guy, we talked about him a little bit last week, uh, Laurie Markkinen from the Arizona Wildcats. And I'm quite sure the podcast consensus on Alex Len says that we shouldn't bring him back next year or bring him back for dirt cheap, if that's possible. So what do we think? Is Markkinen a guy that we could throw into our rotation with guys like Chris and Bender, or are they too similar of players to all thrive together? I think we're going to get a pick where we do not want to take Markkinen. I don't think it's worth the reach at three or four uh, where it's looking like we're going to land. Um, You know, I like Markkinen. I honestly feel like if we're maybe at five, that it would be worth the reach of like doomsday scenario and we drop to like five i think he might be worth the reach doomsday scenario where we go and win a bunch of games (laughs) yeah (laughs) nah even like doomsday scenario where like three teams jump up into the top three or something dumb like (laughs) that's more of kind of what i'm thinking of but like i i don't know man having a big that can that has the kind of jump shot that he has is something that I really like in today's game and a ton of people like in today's game and you can never have enough big men I don't think that can do that especially ones that can play the four like duh big men four five but like dudes that can guys that can legit play the five with that jump shot and I think he is that guy um people can call me crazy or not I think that if you drafted him you wouldn't care if you played him, Bender, and Chris all at the same time. Just because, like, none of them are going to demand post-action. Not They would all be able to pass the ball. They, I, I just think that 
Like, it, I think it would be worth the risk if we were at the five pick. That'd be an interesting lineup. Go Euless slash Bledsoe, and then Booker, Bender, Markinen, or Chris. Switch Markinen and Chris at the four and five, but that would be a wild lineup. A lot of height and guys that can move, too. And that's uh, that's the unicorn. Big guys that can actually move and shoot the ball. And if we have a couple guys like that, that that'd be interesting. Call me crazy. I don't care. Like, that's just kind of where I'm thinking right now. I know that there are other guys, of course, that should probably be in that, like, 5-6 spot or whatever. Markkinen's kind of 7 or 8. But uh, I don't know. That's just kind of what I'm thinking right now. And... I like that dude. Maybe I have an Arizona bias just in general, but I don't care. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Maybe that's where mine's coming from too, but Mitch is over there shaking his head saying we should probably <laughs> take a guy from Gonzaga or now that he lives in Iowa, maybe uh, a good old Iowa Hawkeye. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Okay. <laughs> not not this year. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's go a little bit deeper into the draft board and talk about some potential sleeper picks, some guys that the Suns would have a chance to draft with one of their second-round picks. And one guy that has stood out to me a little bit that could really fill a need for the Suns team is Bam Adebayo out of Kentucky. And aside from being a Kentucky Wildcat, I just really think he'd be a nice fit on this roster. I, I look at him kind of like a DeAndre Jordan but without the freakishly long wingspan, but maybe a better hold on some of the fundamentals of the game, a little bit of a better shooter. And they're both about 6'10 centers, I'd say. So there, there's some similarities there. And um, Bam's vertical, even a little bit higher than Jordan's at, uh, at similar ages. So I think that if he's there with that early second round pick we get, I'd like to see us bring in a a center that can protect the paint and jump out of the gym and provide a little muscle for us down there because that is something we are lacking a bit. So if you guys have a comment on him, go ahead. Or what guys are you looking for as sleepers in that second round? I'm looking right now. Gosh dang it. Um <laughs> Whatever, I don't care. I don't actually know if which of these Oregon guys are actually going to declare. I mean, like, the consensus is is that Dylan Brooks is going to. uh, I don't think he's a sleeper. I think a lot of people know him. I think that he is a guy that will improve his draft stock, I think. Um, If he's in the second round, I would not mind taking him at all. But, I I, I mean, watching that Oregon game, that those – that that Oregon team just plays so well that like if Jordan Bell like declares or whatever and he's there I wouldn't mind taking him I mean I I, w- I wouldn't mind just taking a center in general in the second round because I feel we're going either wing or point guard in the first no matter what even though I I'm on that marketing bandwagon that uh I, I just think that's happening so I wouldn't mind taking a center in the early second um who that be i don't know i i need to watch more games of course i watched a handful and we, i kind of talked about all the ones that i did so there's not really that many sleeper guys that i felt like are going to be there yeah i mean that's about where i'm at as well i haven't seen anyone emerge yet that i'm like this is a guy that we need to really look at impress me i want someone to impress me still 
you know? Uh, and I agree that we'll probably go uh, – I'm hoping wing with our first-round pick and that we will need to fill our need at center possibly with that second-round pick or through a trade or something. That's the other thing. Who knows if we'll even have a second-round pick if that's involved with, like, a trade or something. But, yeah, there just hasn't been anyone who's stuck out to me yet. But we still have a lot of games to go. Right. This is the time of year to figure out who those standouts are, the guys that come up big when their team needs them. We're almost into the Sweet 16 now, and now things really get really get interesting on the court so it's nice to see the who who's clutch who can step up in the big light so I, i'm i'm ready to uh really dive in now that we're in the sweet 16 and see who's gonna maybe be a a bit of a spoiler at the end of the draft we'll we'll have to see right and one guy that i will be keeping an eye on who uh I wouldn't say is like a sleeper or anything yet, but Nigel Hayes from Wisconsin, he was big in the, uh, the dethroning of Villanova. Um, he, he had a lot of strength, played really well and was super clutch. So I'm going to keep an eye on him. I'm really bummed that I didn't get to watch that Wisconsin game because I, I, I enjoy, I got, I got love for Wisconsin, uh, in just about everything. And, uh, I like watching that Wisconsin team normally year after year, and I'm really bummed that I didn't get to watch that game. It was it was a great game. It was super exciting. So in in the NCAA now, can a player kind of put feelers out and maybe and kind of declare for the draft? And if the Mitch, do you know what I'm talking about here? I think they can do workouts now, right? Yeah. They can do they workouts, can. Yep. figure out what they kind can. of pick they might be before actually deciding to declare. Yep, was Nigel Hayes one of those guys last year? I know Dylan Brooks was. Okay. Um, and so was Ivan Rabb. He was another guy who did that. Um, I'm not sure if Hayes was or not, but he is a senior this year. So Right, okay. He could have well, been. yeah. Just had to clear that up. All right, so for our new listeners that have come to us through Deepish Thoughts, we're going we're gonna to end the show the way we always do, and that's non-sports plugs. So we have David's Comic Book Corner, Mitch's Face Melting Minute, and then I try to come up with something really fast in between those two. So, David, you're up, man. Iron Man, Demon in a Bottle. Uh, it is an old story. I totally screwed it up. Don't care. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's really like just one issue, the real Demon in the Bottle, but the trade has kind of some build up and showing it and while it is very much in the time of how stories were written and like it kind of all culminates into like this one issue where like it happens and the entire story gets played out it's really interesting really cool and as someone that has um people that struggle with alcohol abuse in their life it's it's something that really resonates with me so i I really enjoy it iron man demon in the bottle um, it's it's fantastic, and definitely check it out, whether you're into comics or not. All right, good stuff, David. And so my in-laws came to town this week for their spring visit, and Natalie's dad suggested that we go to Sal's Gilbert Pizza, and he saw it on Guy Fieri's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives show, and so we went and checked it out, 
and it's the best pizza I've had down here in quite a long time. So really excited to get there, really enjoyed the pizza. And for a bonus note, you should Google Guy Fieri noodle machine and just enjoy that for a little bit. And everybody, that's going to do it for this week. Be sure to check us out on social media. Follow us on Twitter under the handle at Sunny in PHX Pod. Hit us up through email with questions or suggestions at Sunny in PHX Pod at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in next week. Go Suns.